Hey, welcome to the Victory Family Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. So grateful to get to come together, worship God together, build his kingdom together. Let's just take a minute. I just want to address our campuses at, at Newcastle in Meadville. Uh, we, we're so grateful that we get to do this together. One church, multiple locations. Last week, Pastor Sean preached and spoke. Man, was that incredible? How many of you were here for that? That was remarkable. You know, I try to watch it and listen to it to try to, you know, give him some, you know, just mentoring about it. And I get 10 minutes in or five minutes in, I'm like, forget that mentoring. I'm just receiving and I, I'm done. I go, oh, I don't know. Nothing I can put to that kid. That's incredible. God's hands on his life. He and Sarah, listen, Meadville, God has sent you the best and you matter to God. Meadville, you are not a, a faraway campus. We are one church in multiple loca- locations. Newcastle, John and Kara, ter- they are beasts. John's a beast. Kara's the beauty. He's the beast. But, but listen, they are, the outreach is doing what God's doing there. We are so honored to get to do this together, as well as those of you watching online today. I want to invite you in the online audience to receive from heaven today. So would you give a great big welcome to all of our campuses and the online audience? Come on, Cranberry. Tell them you love them. We love you guys so much. These next uh, four weeks, uh, I, I get to do something that's going to be so much fun for me with you. I had the opportunity of a lifetime last week, something I never dreamed of, that God would give me the privilege of getting to experience. But I, uh, last Sunday, uh, I, we, I flew to Brazil and then up to Paraguay and then to Brazil uh, with John Maxwell and, uh, and then spent the whole week with him and flew back on Thursday. And uh, how many of you know who John Maxwell is? Uh, he is, without a question, under anybody's um, perspective, the foremost lead- leadership expert on planet Earth. Uh, and, and he's a kingdom man. And the, the, we, I literally, me along with a couple other pastors, uh, along with some business leaders that were with him on the plane, were for at least, I'm, I'm, this over the time, 35 hours of sitting and listening in between everything we did. The flights were seven and a half hours. For seven and a half hours, he just sat there and mentored us. And it was remarkable. So John's ministry, if you will, and his business, which is really what I want to focus on today and the message today, is that he sold 35 million books on leadership. Yeah, 35 million. Let me tell you how many more that is than I've sold. You ready? 35 million. And um, he has the largest leadership company on planet Earth. Uh, It's all around the world. He has developed 40,000 leadership coaches who have gone into over 120 countries training in leadership in over 6 million people around the globe raising up leaders. So it's just a remarkable, remarkable uh, person in the scope of his life. Now, you know, right now there are 23 countries where the president has invited John to come in and, and wanting him, him to bring his leadership structure into the nation. He, there are 23 presidents waiting to talk to him, and I got to spend a lot of time with him. And I want to talk to you about the, the why behind that in just a second. But when I got to know who John Maxwell was, was many years ago when victory started. Uh, those of you at Newcastle and, and, and Meadville, maybe those of you new to the Cranberry campus, church is 28 years old and when it started Michelle and I had it just started to grow we just came and did what God called us to do and I don't know how to exaggerate how lost I was and how to deal with a growing church I didn't know what to do a really dear friend started to talk to me about a guy named John Maxwell I'd never heard of him and he said look you really need to read his books and I did 
And, and, I, and, and he opened up for me something that I'd never understood before, what it meant to be a leader. And, and not just in concept, but in practice. And then he offered something for, for pastors, a 100-tape series on leadership. Now, anybody you know what a cassette tape is, wave at me. You're younger, you're like, oh, that's a cassette tape. You can YouTube it and watch someone, it's, and they'll stick it in, and you put it in the right box, it will talk to you. And I wore those out. Uh, at a minimum, I listened to them eight times, but some of them over and over and over. And, uh, and I had friends who would give me pushback because of the investment I was making in, in buying materials to help educate myself in things I was clueless about. And I had a, a, another friend that had the same pushback, and his response was great. He said, if you, think, if you think for a moment that education is expensive, try ignorance. It's completely, it's costly. And so I, I never dreamed that in those days when I was listening to the cassette tapes and reading his books, that God would give me that privilege to get to spend time with him. And so, so literally, I, I want to take you on what I believe one of the greatest mentoring experiences that anyone will ever have or could have as far as leadership mentoring on the planet. And remember, I, I, my hope is to help you get this, is that everywhere God, I believe, uh, privileges me to go is not for my benefit but it's for the benefit of the people I serve. So in these coming weeks, today and including these coming weeks, three plus weeks, I'm gonna take you on a mentoring journey with John Maxwell about things that really matter in life. And it's, it, it was just absolutely, absolutely remarkable. And so I wanna take you into just today three lessons from what I call a world-class kingdom builder. John Maxwell certainly is a world-class kingdom builder. And these lessons, this is a photo of me with John Sitting there, if you'll notice closely, I have my phone, and I've been taking notes, trying to listen to him. For, it was a seven and a half hour trip of just listening to him, talking to us. And he just, the dude is 74 and has more energy than 16 people together. And he just kept pouring into us and pouring into us over and over again. And, you know, I, I sometimes imitate voices because I have to hear them in my head. I hear voices. I'm in therapy. But I'm starting to hear John Maxwell's voice. Hi, I'm John. I'm your friend. Can't do him best yet. I'm going to get his voice so I can do it back to him when I see him next. But it was remarkable. And I want to take you into just three lessons of many that I'm going to be sharing with you from different perspectives from a world-class kingdom builder. Now, let me pause. John Maxwell started his ministry as a pastor, but he is not known as a pastor today. He has three uh, or four, I believe, for-profit companies and one nonprofit. He's known around the world as a businessman, as a business leader, as a leadership uh, uh, leader, if you will, a, a business uh, of leadership. And, and so I want to take you into the world of someone who in their secular life has expanded the kingdom of God in a way that's almost hard to wrap your mind around. And I want to tell you how he did it because that's what he told us. And there's three lessons that were pronounced to me that I want to give you that he told us. And the first one was this, if you're going to be a world-class business leader. So remember, I'm not giving you lessons from a pastor to a pastor, but a business leader to a pastor, to those in our church, which is, the, which is 99% of our church, who live in a secular world, secular vocations. And, and this is for you. And I'm telling you, it will change your life if you will let the wisdom of God find a resting place in you. Here's the first lesson. Kingdom builders learn and grow from loss. Kingdom builders, the kingdom of God, and if you're going to build it, you have to learn 
You literally have to learn and to grow from loss in your life. Here's the statement that he made that, that he amplified later. He said, what happens to you doesn't have to determine what happens in you. He said, what happens to you does not have to determine what happens in you. Because here's what you know about loss if you're uh, past 15 years old. And certainly if you lived any uh, time in an adult life, loss comes to everybody. Devastating loss. Things that you have no control over that happen around you that literally stop you in your tracks. And he said to all of us, he said, I don't care who you are, how, how, how little you have or how much you have. These loss comes to everybody. And if you don't know what to do with it, you'll never be the person God called you to be. And so when you experience loss, you have to learn from it and you have to grow from it or it will collapse you in your life. And he told us the story of a man that, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Let me, let me just take you to the story he told us about his loss. He, he said, I want to tell you something that happened to me that shaped everything I do today. At 74, the reason that I'm leveraging these companies and doing everything I'm doing, and I'll explain more in a moment, he said, is because of what happened when I was in my first church that I pastored. By the time John Maxwell was 29 years old, he had grown his church to the fifth largest church in the nation. He's a very gifted man. Now, I don't have his gifts, but I can learn from his wisdom, and so can you. And he said, uh, our church had grown and it was, you know, it was exciting. And, and I was a young kid full of ego and, and, and look at me. And, and, and a family in our church had a family member come, a very successful person who wanted to spend time with me even as a kid. And, and they knew, they told me he's not a believer, but he wants to spend time with you. And I knew that my reason to be with him was to talk to him about Christ and, and that, it, that it was going to be that moment that this man was ready to receive Jesus. He said, but I couldn't get my eyes off of me. Now, this happened 50 years ago and telling us he can't get through it without crying and weeping and he can't get through the story. Because you see, loss is going to do one of two things to you in your life. Loss is either going to paralyze you and you're going to stop or you're going to let God's grace, which is his power in your weakness to come into that loss and change the way you live your life. He said, so I spent the morning with that man and all I could do was show him what we did and I, I did everything I could do to impress him. I thought I did a pretty good job. Never even thought about him, never thought about his soul, even though in the back of my mind, I knew that's why he was sent to me. And then I, he went back to his family late morning. I did my thing, went back home about three, four in the afternoon. This was before cell phones. He said, I, I, open, I go to the front door. My wife's waiting for me. He said, John, you need to get to the funeral home. The man you spent the morning with right when he got back had a massive heart attack and died. He's already, his body's already at the funeral home and the family has already determined they're going to do the funeral here and his and family will be coming in from out of town. He said, oh, okay, he was shocked. He said, I got in my car and then it hit me. God sent me this man because he was this close to eternity. And all I could do was talk about me. And he's crying when he told us. He said, if you're ever going to build something beyond your life, you can't be about you. And he said, I know that someday when I stand before God, I will give an account for that man's life. It won't be a punishment. But I know that it will be an accounting to that day. Today, that man is not with Christ because I was focused on me. 
And he said, and everything I did from that day to this has been to never let that happen again. Let learn, he said, from loss. And let God do something in your soul. And don't let the enemy use it to paralyze you in this crazy world that we live. The Apostle Paul shared about this in Romans 9, verse 1. And he's so clear about wanting you to know he's telling you the truth. Listen to the redundancy. He said, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. So in other words, this is a value in my life. Here's what Paul said. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and an unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. Paul, in his life, had such a desperation to see the Jewish people come to Christ. He said that every day of my life, my heart is filled with a bitter sorrow. It's an unending grief. It's a pain. And I would be willing myself to go to hell in their place if it would, if they could, if it would mean they would know Christ. I would trade places and I would, go, I would be separated from God and cursed from God forever and die in my sin for their benefit. The value was so great that these were the very people that were trying to kill the man and ultimately did through the Roman government as Paul was murdered and beheaded and martyred for his faith. The very people that were there to kill him, he said, I am willing to go to hell for you. That value, until that value is in your soul as a Christian, you will never, ever live beyond the scope of your pleasure and pain, ever. And what John was saying to us, and there were business people there that had businesses that, I mean, were just absurdly large and, and fruitful, and, but I don't, I don't mean money. I just, I'm talking about the scope, but they were obviously very, very successful financially. And he looked those guys in the eyes and he said, don't waste your time on all this stupidity of stuff and buy this and buy that. How much crap do you need? He said, it will never fill your heart. The difference between you and the man who, and woman who are poor is they have a promise that this will help them. You know it doesn't. Don't waste your life. You leverage this. And I mean, he was just, he, he spoke like a father to us. And I want to help you today. If you want to live your life in a way that is to live the full circumference, the full impact of what God designed you to do, then your heart must be so deeply connected to his that you literally feel the loss of others around you, even those who hate you, as you give your life for them so that Christ can reach them. The second thing that he brought to us, and this is the concepts that I brought out of it, were this. Kingdom builders scale their lives at the potential and heart of God. Those who are going to build the kingdom, or for that matter, anything, for in, in, in the hand and through the hand of God, are to scale their life at the potential, listen, of God. And at the heart of God, not your potential. He said what most people do to build their life solves just one of two problems. It's simply they try to make their pain go away and make themselves happy. He said the average human life, and he said in most Christians live and die, that's all they do. And they get to the someday when all my problems go away and everything's great and I'm happy, then I'll be able to do something for God. He said, it's a lie. Say, say out loud the word, say scale. Say it again, scale. That means to take something and grow it large. 
Now, large doesn't mean necessarily to the scale that Maxwell's called to build. But you have a divine call on your life in the world in which you have influence, and it is to scale to its very limit of influence for Christ. And I want you to see how a business person does this, not a pastor. Because sometimes when we think of reaching people for Jesus, I'm not a pastor. I don't do that ministry thing. I don't preach. How do I help people? And what he was telling all of us, including the pastors, but he said, you don't go in places and just get up and go, I'd like to tell you about the Lord. Let's all stand together. Because don't be weird. No one likes weird. Well, I kind of like weird because I'm weird. I'm a little crazy. Hey, listen, crazy is tough to fix. Just so you know, I got a little crazy, but it was a family tradition. Anybody got some nuts in the family and he tried to roll on you? Okay, we'll just stop right there. I'm in therapy. I'm going to be fine. But he said this, I want you to understand two principles. The work of the seed compared to the joy of the fruit. The work of planting the seeds comparative to the joy of bearing fruit. He said what most people center their whole life on is that brief joy that you'll experience when you eat the fruit instead of the work of the seed, which is 99% of your effort of your life. See, he told the story of this, these young kids that were, this handful of them were traveling Europe. They went into this small little village and they wanted to you know, learn about it and they found this, this very old man. They figured, well, he's gonna maybe know the history of this village. And they began to be able to converse with this man. And they said, have any great people been born here? Because they wanted to know, you know, is someone famous from here? And he said, the old man stopped and he pondered and he said, no, just babies. Just babies. He said, people want greatness like it's something that happens like that. He said, but it has to start as an infant. The kingdom of God, God promised us, not just the kingdom of God, but life itself operates with the, the, the work. Say out loud, work. Do you know the Bible calls me as a pastor? You know what it, it defines my job is to train you to do, listen, the work of the ministry, not the fruit and the joy, but the work. He said, and until your soul embraces the work of the seed, you will never know the joy of the fruit. And he gave us some very real examples. Let me read it to you first in, in Genesis 8:22. For as long as the earth remains, that means still today, there will be seed, time, and harvest. Cold and heat, winter, summer, day and night, and it won't quit. He said, as long as this earth exists, there will be the work of the seed and the joy of the harvest. And then he said this, he said, you remember this, anything of value that comes from God will be work. It will be difficult and it will be uphill because you are going in, an, in a, you are going upstream in a downstream world and you are called to build something great with your life. If you're going to build a great marriage, it's going to be uphill. Anybody married? Anybody ever have about uh, Newcastle? Any of y'all ever had some uphill, uphill time in your marriage? No, come on. Don't lie to me, Newcastle. How about Meadville and y'all? Come on. Now, listen, you ever been married? Look at the person and go. I don't like you at all anymore. I'll try this side of our victory. They're all lying in Cranberry. Anybody married? You ever felt uphill? Any, he said, anything you do, career, family, it doesn't matter. If it's going to be greater than you, if it's going to do what God called you to do at the potential of God, then you're going to have to understand 
the work of that seed. And then he gave us some examples. As we're flying down to Paraguay, he said, when we go to Paraguay, he said, we have worked years there to get to where we're about to see. You are going to get to see the very short season of the joy of the fruit. But then we're going to get in this plane and fly over to Brazil, and we're going to start to do the work of the seed. And I want you to see both of them. And I want you to see that I find as much joy in the work of the seed as I do the joy of the fruit. And most people won't do that because they only think of themselves. He said, get your eyes off of you. And so in Paraguay, they have been on the ground for years and their leadership company has built leaders all over the nation. And John, in Paraguay, they asked him to ultimately develop a curriculum for their public schools on values. Love to have these in America. And they're biblical values, but you don't call them that. It's purely secular, by the way. But it's all leading to an outcome. And he said, so we developed the three-year value curriculum that every junior high student in the nation is, will ultimately get to go through. Right now, it's in maybe just you know, a couple hundred thousand kids. But we were meeting with the secretary of education, or the minister of education is what they call him. And we, were have a, we had a breakfast meeting, and, and here's the picture of John sitting by this young man. And they're talking back and forth. And, and John's trying to influence the young man to, to move this into permanence into their country. And he stopped John and he said, listen, I'm sitting in this seat because of you. Years ago, I began to learn from you. And today, I'm one of the most successful business people in my nation. And I've walked away from that income and that wealth to serve my country in this position. 25% of our budget is education, of our national budget. And he said, I want to put a bill before our Congress that will implement this on a permanent basis, that these values, every teacher will be trained in them, and every student will go through the three-year process. Would your team help me write that bill? That's a lot of fun to watch. And you're sitting there thinking, this man has worked for years to get to these outcomes. Yeah, but still no one's coming to know Jesus yet. These are just values, but these are values that will help people get closer to the heart of God because these are God's heart. And a group of CEOs met with him. Leaders of every, every major leader in the nation sat in a round table and they peppered him for questions for an hour and a half. Most weren't Christians. And then he said, let me tell you why I do all this. He does a national two-day leadership seminar. And in Paraguay, 20,000 people registered. Because of COVID, they could only put three, 400 in the room. But online, there were 20,000 people registered. And, and it was a Zoom thing, so you could, they track. The analytics can tell you, you know, if people were actually there. Two days, very wonderful teaching on leadership. You would have loved it. But then he stopped at the end, and he said, okay, we're done. But if you all would want to know where these come from, they come from my relationship with God. And I don't want to do a bait and switch with you. But so our seminar is over. You're free to leave and it's been wonderful to be with you. But if you want to stay, I want to talk to you about how my relationship with God created all this and why I'm in your nation and I'm not making a penny for this. That I pay my own expenses to come here. My company pays for my team to come here. I want to bring value to you and I, maybe you want to know where that comes from at 74 years old. Well, no one left the room. 
online. Then he gives, a, 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 he talks about his relationship with God and he gives an invitation for people to receive Jesus, asking them to stand up in the room. 70% of that room stood up and then 70% of the online audience responded. They crashed the system three times. But they waited. They kept going back on. 70% of 20,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. He said, you've got, I, we worked nine, eight, nine years for this one day. Most people won't do that. He said, if you're going to live your life to bear fruit, you're, this is the way you're going to have to live. And then we finished there and we went day and night. He's tireless. And we, then we flew to, over to Brazil we met there with people. There's a picture of him speaking in Brazil with a group of leaders. He, the secretary of education found him and wanted to meet with him. Now, Paraguay has 7 million people. Brazil has 230 million. And the secretary of education, which John didn't expect this to move so quickly, but they've already been doing leadership. His company's already on the ground in Brazil. And they've, and they've, they've led a bunch. They've done, raised up so many leaders already in the nation. But there are now, there are 180,000 schools in Brazil, 2.2 million teachers. And he said, I want this curriculum in our schools. How do we do it? And he said, in the next three years, he told us, when we, I will come back to Brazil and we will do a national meeting and we will see, and, and, I, and I'm talking to you about the leaders of a nation. We will see a million leaders in Brazil come to Christ in a day. He's a businessman, not a preacher. I want to help you to understand that even in your church, victory, the joy of the fruit is you. It's 28 years of this and then campuses will keep expanding and it's the joy of the fruit. But kingdom building is the work of the seed. Kingdom building is launching these things. Kingdom building is when we come to our impact offering in November. When we come in November 6th and 7th and we bring our very best offering to be able to raise the funds outside of our normal giving, above our, every penny outside the walls of our church, as we believe God to give away 1.6 million to world mission projects, expanding God's kingdom in our nation, raising up Christian leaders. That's the work. He said, but until, uh, this is the how. Here, please hear this. Until the work is what drives you and not the, not the joy of the fruit, you'll never fulfill the full purpose of your life. And then he said some statements. I just want, to, want you to hear them. He said this. He said, remember this in life and in any endeavor. I don't care if it's relational, physical, business, kingdom business of God. Here, I love this statement. Answers don't come on the front end of anything. They come as you're moving. Most people want the way to be clear. The only thing that will move you is your passion that's connected to the heart of God. I'm 74 years old doing this. And people ask me all the time, well, when are you going to retire? He said, what is more fun than this? I'm 74. I'm never going to retire. I'll retire when they bury me. Why? He said, because what, what, this is what I'm here for. He said, people think, well, don't you have enough money to retire? He said, I've sold 35 million books. Money's not my issue. I don't need money. I live for a purpose. I want you, on the, on the, the, those of us on the plane, and I would say this to you, and I want you to live every day of your life that when you wake up at 74, a passion for others so deeply burns in your soul that God will take you places and scale you in ways that you never dreamed imaginable.
In my heart, these words just pondered. I thought, that's what put me on this plane. The reason I'm getting to listen to this man is because the joy of the work meant more. I mean, the work of the, the work of the seed meant more to me than the joy of the fruit. And Michelle and I were willing to live that way, and then others have lived that way. And now, God, you're wanting to give us the ability as God's people to be mentored by the greatest leadership teacher alive on the planet. And I want to take you over these coming weeks, and I want to tell you how to get from where you are to where God's called you to be, to fully expand the influence of your life. Because he said, when you quit, you never know what you lost. When you quit, you never know what you lost. And he said, in our culture, people are thinking of quitting in their 60s. He said, from age 60 to 74, I have seen God do more and exponentially to reach people through business than my entire life combined multiplied over and over and over again. When most people are quitting is when I've been my most fruitful, and that's what you're designed to do. He said, go ahead and golf. You'll be dead in four years. Now, maybe you, unless you're a health person and do all the things that make you healthy, he said, wonderful. Maybe you'll live a little bit longer, but you'll drop dead because you weren't made to go golfing every day. You weren't made to go buy your next house. Now, he's talking to extremely wealthy people. He said, how many stinking houses do you want? How many cars can you drive? Make an impact with your life. If none of this, and this is the last thing he said, that if you're going to build God's kingdom, you will leverage everything you are and have for God. He said, I've learned to leverage everything that I am for God. Everything that I have for God. Everything. He said, do you remember this? And he's talking to, the, to those in your world, not mine. He said, your vocation is nothing more than your God-given platform to reach people for Christ. That's all it is. Whether, you're, whether you take care of your home and raise your children, whether whatever job you have, it isn't, it doesn't, you don't have to leave the company. Wherever you're at, he said, God has designed you to scale your life to a full impact in that realm. And he will enable you to reach people. And until that's the way you live your life, he said, I don't care how much money you guys have, how many businesses you own, it's worthless. And you know it is. And that's why you're on this plane. And he made it so, so very clear. And here's what he said to us. I'm just an evangelist trapped in a businessman's body. He said, but so should you be. I don't know the influence that God's given you in this sphere of influence, but use it for heaven. And when you do that, you will live your life in a way that is unimaginable and God will scale your life and he will bring you into environments you never dreamed possible, not for your benefit, but for the benefit of others. And he said, and most people live and die. And when they do get the opportunities, they squander it like I did as a 28-year-old man. He said, don't let that happen to you. Leverage everything you have for God. It's all that will matter at the end. And he just poured that into us over and over. He said, I own four secular companies and we make a lot of money. He said, but all of it is so we could do that meeting. And then we're going to do it in Brazil. And we've done it in Guatemala. We're soon to do it in the DR. There are 23 presidents waiting to do this in their nation. Here's the sad thing. There's only one guy doing it. Because Christians don't see ministry in the context of their vocation. You do ministry by being who you are in the sphere of influence God's given you. And I'll close with this. 
how Paraguay got touched was by a lady named Gabby. She was in her early 30s. She went up to Guatemala because she had been studying John Maxwell stuff and wanted to sit in the seminar. So she went to Guatemala, she and her husband, Tim. And, uh, and they, they go and they're at this, she's from Paraguay. And, and she hears Maxwell at the end, he's signing books. And he gives, she gets, gives him the book. She says, sign mine to the president of Paraguay. Here's his name. And John looked up, he said, I, he said, do you know the president of the Paraguay? She said, no. He said, why am I doing this? He, she said, I will. He said, okay, Neil, he's just, all right, here you go, sign the book. She said, you have to come and do what you've done in Guatemala to my nation of 7 million people. You have to come. And you know, people say that all the time. He said, we need to talk to this guy over here. She goes over and says, how do I get John to come to, to our nation? He said, well, the, the investment for you to be able to do the leadership things that we're going to begin as a business thing is going to be about $100,000. She said, I don't have any money. But I knew, I knew, I knew I was called to do this with my life. So I said, we, we, yes, we'll do it happily. I said, can I just do this in four installments instead of two? Yeah, sure. We'll send you the contract. She goes to her husband, tells him what she did. He said, when we go home, we're getting a lawyer. I'm divorcing you. I go, you out of your mind? We're, we don't have money. She goes, we can borrow 25000 and get it started. Are you out of your mind? She said, no. God is going to do this in our nation. And nothing is going to deter me. They went home. She found a way to borrow and leverage everything they had to send and get it started. Sold enough tickets to somehow make it through it for the event as John, John coming into Paraguay. And today, Gabby didn't just give a book to the president. She's on a first name basis with the president and the one before him. She's only 38 years old. That's all, and it's an incredible woman. She, um, you get around her, I'm telling this girl takes no, does not take no well for an answer. And she used her life. She has two children. She's raising a family. And such a passion in her soul that God put in. She began to see through the eyes of God for her life. And today, Paraguay, every student in Paraguay will be taught values. Every teacher will be trained to teach them. And someday Gabby will stand before God and 70% of 20,000 people that gave their life to Christ would not have done so had she not leveraged everything she was for God. I promise you at the end of your days, and I love that John said, that this to me was remarkable when he said, many people, if you're past, let's say 55, 65, 75 and older, listen, he said, many people miss the best part of their life because it's the last part of their life. Don't do that. He said, leverage everything for God. And then finally this, the joy that you will feel is the actual, listen now, joy of God himself. How many of you have quoted, the joy of the Lord is my strength? You ever said that? He said, what's that mean? He said, it is literally God's joy. He said, where does the Bible tell you that God has joy? He said, when one sinner repents, that in the presence of angels, there is joy in heaven. People misquote it and say, angels rejoice. It doesn't say that. It says, in the presence of angels, there's rejoicing. God himself is enjoying one that, one that repents. One. He's, the God of the universe stops over one person that comes to Christ. And the joy of God fills heaven. 
He said, until that joy enters into your life and you experience the joy of God, I don't care what you own, I don't care what your problems are, what your limits are, you will live your life half dead. You wasted your life. And once you taste the joy of God, nothing will satisfy you. That's why everything I am, everything I have, I leverage for eternity. So where are you called to be a Gabby? What is your sphere of influence? It doesn't have to be a nation. I don't know where it is. You know. Where do you have a sphere of influence? Whether it's friends, family, it, it, whomever, relationships, begin to, to move into the eyesight of God. Say, God, how do I, how do I scale this from your heart and your, and your potential, not mine? How do I leverage everything I am for what will matter for eternity? How do I move beyond the losses in my life that want to define me? He said, if you'll answer those questions and do it, I promise you, if God gives you the grace to live on this earth to being 90 years old, 90 years old, you'll, 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 you won't even imagine the joy that you'll have lived through. And I long for that for you. And I long for that for you. These next several weeks, I'm going to take you into more of this mentoring because your life is supposed to do this in a secular environment and in everything you touch. So let me pray over you and all of our campuses. And in a moment, when we're finished praying, we're going to stand and we're going to spend time worshiping God. That means magnifying, making him larger than everything around you. Beginning to desire to live this way with all of your heart. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. How rich and great and gracious you are. How kind you are. Father, I pray over every one of us that we will live our lives not being defined by loss that we have sometimes no control over. But we will, be, we will let you into that loss with your power and grace to take us to places we never would dream possible. We will scale our lives not at our potential, not at our strengths or our weaknesses, but at your potential in heart. And we will leverage everything that we are for heaven because it's all that will matter. It's all that will matter is who is there and who is not. So we submit ourselves to you. I pray over Newcastle. I pray over Meadville. All that are watching online and those at Cranberry. Holy Spirit, have your way in our lives. Speak to our lives as we worship you together. Let's stand together at all of our campuses. And let's spend some time. Don't get in a hurry. And let's lift your heart. Lift your voice. And begin to tell him how much you love him. So, tell him how desperate you are to live in the joy of heaven. And that you, you want to walk through any walls in this area. I worship you. I worship you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Victory Family Church. If you enjoyed listening, please take a moment to rate, review, and share. For more resources, including locations and service times, please visit lifeatvictory.com.